Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the lot for the tribe of Dan, as we pick up in Joshua, chapter 19, verse 40. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. The city of Dan uh, is just, oh, three miles from the base of Mount Hermon. And you're in the foothills there. The city of Dan, again, was just a fabulously beautiful city because you have this beautiful river coming by and uh, you've never seen anything in Hawaii that is any more beautiful uh, than the sites around what they call Tel Dan or the ruins of the city of Dan over there. So the upper Jordan River area, the Hula Valley, was given unto Dan. Now, verse 49, when they had made an end of dividing the land for the inheritance by their coast, the children of Israel gave an inheritance unto Joshua. And according to the word of the Lord, they gave him the city which he asked, even Timnath Sarah, in Mount Ephraim. And he built the city and dwelt there. And these are the inheritances which Eliezer the priest and Joshua the son of Nun and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel divided for an inheritance. So uh, they divided out the land and they finally gave a city to Joshua inasmuch as he was the leader in the area of Mount Ephraim, uh, which means that it was in the area in the center part of the land uh, where the ancient city of Samaria or Shechem It's in that general area was known as Mount Ephraim, an area that is is beautiful with the the many, many fruit trees, the terraced hillsides and the fertile valleys. It's uh, right in the heart of the land and a beautiful place indeed. Now, in the 20th chapter, you remember that when they came into the land, they were to establish cities of refuge so that anybody who had killed someone accidentally, who had not had a form malice or hatred towards the person, but killed them accidentally, they could flee to the city of refuge from the avenger of death. Now, we talked to you about the culture of revenge killing. Uh, it It was quite a deeply ingrained cultural practice. It is still practiced today in New Guinea and in some of the more primitive areas. Revenge killing. And it doesn't matter if they killed your your son by accident. If they killed a member of your family, then you were duty-bound to kill them. Or if you couldn't catch them, to kill a member of their family. So in these days, because there were cases where a person would accidentally kill someone else, they didn't have any hatred or malice against them, but it was just purely an accident. In order to be fair, in order to be just, God had them establish six cities 
that they called the cities of refuge where you could flee and be safe from the avenger of blood. Three on either side of the Jordan River. They were so located in the land that you were never more than a half day's run from one of these cities. And you would be running to be sure. So as we look at the cities of refuge that were appointed within the land, we find the first one was in the Galilee region, the upper part of the land in Kadesh, which was up in the Galilee region. The second one was right in the southern part of the land in Hebron, which is down in the southernmost section. And then the third was at Shechem, uh, which uh, was right in the heart of the land. So really in sort of the middle area of the south in Hebron, in the heart of the land in Shechem, and then up in the Galilee region in Kadesh, the three cities of refuge were established that a person guilty of killing someone accidentally could flee and be protected uh, until he had at least a fair trial. In chapter 21, we read, Then came the heads of the fathers of the Levites to Eliezer the priest and unto Joshua the son of Nun, and the priests were saying, now look, we know that we don't get any land, but we were promised cities. And that they were to be given cities and the suburbs of those cities for their farming and all. Now, automatically, the cities of refuge were cities that belonged to the Levites. But other cities were also given to them, and these cities are listed through chapter 21. When we get into verse 43, the Lord gave unto Israel all the land which he sware to give unto their fathers, and they possessed it and dwelt therein. Now the Lord gave it all to them. The thing is, they didn't take it all. The Lord has given us a lot more than we have taken. We haven't really possessed all that God has given to us. It is an interesting thing that God has given salvation to every man who will take it, but not everybody has taken it. The gifts of God are already given by God. Now it is up to you by faith to claim it, to take it. The gift of salvation, it is there. If you'll claim it, if you'll take it. The gift of the Holy Spirit, it is there. If you'll take it and claim it. So God gave them all of the land that he promised to give to them. Their problem was that they just didn't take it all. And the Lord gave them rest round about according to all that he swore unto their fathers. And there stood not a man of all their enemies before them, for the Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. And there failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel, it all came to pass. And so here is a little uh, testimony of the faithfulness of God. 
Not one good word of God failed. He kept his promises to them completely. God honors his word. God will honor his word. God will not fail to keep his promise. And thus, all of those good things which God had promised, he fulfilled. Now in chapter 22, after now the land has all been given and apportioned out, Joshua called the men from Reuben and Gad and half the tribe of Manasseh. Now you remember, these are the people who when they were on the east bank of the Jordan River had already established there. It was good grazing country. They said, we're farmers. This is great territory. Uh, we'd love to just stay over here uh, and have our inheritance right here where we are. And so Moses said, providing you'll send your fighting forces over with us to conquer the land, when the land is all conquered, then you can come back. You can leave your wives and children, your families here. You send your fighting men over with us to help take the land. Once the land is taken, then you may come back and you can dwell in the land here. And so uh, they, they promised that they would do just that, that they would come over and they kept their promise. Now the land has all been conquered. The, the tribes have all received their portion. So Joshua called this fighting brigade to him of the tribe of Reuben and Gad and half the tribe of Manasseh who wanted the land on the other side of the Jordan River. And he said, you fellows have fulfilled your promise. You've fulfilled your bargain. You, you've done what you said you would do and what was commanded by Moses. Now you may return back to your families. Take with you all of the spoils of war. For in conquering this land, of course, they, they conquered all these cities uh, and uh, they actually had tremendous wealth. The spoils of war, the silver, the gold, the brass, the, the cattle, the uh, sheep and all. And he says, take them back and, and, and share them uh, with uh, the others within the tribes back on the other side of the Jordan. And so you may return now. We, you know, they were setting them free. They having fulfilled their portion of the deal, now they could go back and establish with their families on the other side of the Jordan River. Now, as they were going back, when they got to the Jordan River and they crossed it, they built a huge altar that you could see for miles. And word came back to the men of Israel and they gathered the princes in Shechem and they said, they have built an altar to offer sacrifices and all. And the, the whole house of Israel was ready to go over and attack them before, because they thought that they were already lapsing into idolatry. That they would dare to offer sacrifices to God in a place other than the tabernacle, 
the place that God had established. And so the princes of Israel got together and they came over to the men of Reuben and Gad and, and Manasseh and they said, what are you doing? Do you, did, did you forget already the problems that our fathers have had because of idolatry? What are you doing erecting this big altar to offer sacrifices and all that? Wait a minute, you've got it all wrong. We had no intention of making any sacrifices on this altar at all. We have no intention of making any burnt offerings or sin offerings or anything on this. This is just a reminder that we belong to you because we're afraid that in another generation or so that your children will say to our children, hey, you guys live on the other side of the river. You don't have any part with us. So this is a sign, it's a memorial to show that we are a part of you, that we worship the true and the living God and all, and we have no intention of offering sacrifices here. This is just so that your kids can't say to our kids, hey, because you live on the other side of the river, you don't belong to us. And so the princes of Israel were satisfied with this. They went back and they told the people, hey, they're not committing idolatry. They're not trying to create a schism uh, and pull away. Uh, but actually, uh, it's, it, they, it's just a memorial and it's just so that they will be identified with us in, in the minds of the children as they grow up and all. So it pleased all of the people of Israel and they accepted then uh, this memorial that was erected by these tribes there on uh, the other side of the Jordan River. So that basically is the story that you get in the 22nd chapter of Joshua. In chapter 23, it came to pass a long time after that the Lord had given rest to Israel a long time being about 17 years. So from the time that they conquered the land, the, the people had gone back to the other side, Reuben, Gad, Manasseh, about 17 years later, Joshua waxed old and stricken in age. The stricken in age is a phrase that refers to actually a feebleness because of age. Now with Moses, man, he was a healthy critter right up until the day he died. He didn't need glasses or anything else. His strength did not wane at all, but he was still very healthy up until the day of his death. Caleb fared much better than Joshua. Caleb remained very healthy. When he was 125 years old, he said, now Moses promised me this area down here, and I want to go down, I want permission to go down and take it, you know. And he said, I'm as strong as I was the day I spied out the land, and I'm ready to take a company of men and go down and wipe out those guys. And, and so he got along pretty well in his older years, but Joshua was well stricken in years, which does refer to a feebleness. The well-stricken in years would mean that he 
Well, he really had now a hard time getting around. He probably was hard of hearing, and, and just the, the processes of age had set in upon him. I make that point to make another point, and that is that God, for purposes that we do not understand, allows some people to age very well. And they can remain strong and healthy to the day they die, whereas other people, age really takes its toll upon them and they become very feeble and weakened with age. The question, does that mean that Joshua was less favored by God than Moses or was less favored by God than Caleb? Does that mean that Joshua did not have enough faith and that because of his lack of faith he was stricken in years? I don't think so at all. I think that that's just the way it happens and that there are some people who live to a ripe old age and remain healthy all the time, and there are some people who, when they get old, become feeble, and it has nothing at all to do with their faith or their relationship to God or God's love for them. I do not know of any man in the Old Testament who had greater faith and more miracles through his ministry than Elisha the prophet. And yet we read in the scripture, now Elisha fell sick of the sickness whereof he died. This mighty man of faith, tremendous spiritual insight, and yet he fell sick of the sickness whereof he died. Does God allow his children to get sick? You bet he does. Does God allow his children to get old? You bet he does. And some of them, when they get old, do they get stricken with years? Yes, they do. How is it that some age well and some don't age well? I don't know. But I think that it is very wrong for us to insinuate or to declare that if a person just has enough faith, they don't need to get feeble with old age. And that if some person becomes stricken in years, that we begin to look at them as sort of spiritually second rate. I don't know the ways of God, the purposes of God, but I do know that God allows his children many times to endure suffering. In the New Testament, we read in the book of Acts that Herod stretched forth his hand against the church and he had James beheaded. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, this was James, the brother of John, when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he put Peter in prison, intending to bring him forth the next day for a trial and execution. 
and the church got together and prayed. And about the midnight hour, an angel of the Lord appeared to Peter in the prison and said, put your shoes on, Peter. And Peter put his shoes on. He says, follow me. And the gates all started opening automatically. And Peter followed the angel out. And when they got outside of the prison, the angel left him. And all of a sudden he realized he wasn't dreaming. He thought this was just a dream. But it's chilly tonight and I'm out here and it's not a dream. It's real. I'm free. So he went to the house where the church was holding a prayer meeting. And he knocked on the door. And the young girl, Rhoda, came to the door and he said, let me in, it's Peter. And she was so excited, she ran back to the prayer meeting where they were praying, God, help Peter, get Peter out of there. Lord, save Peter. And she said, Peter's at the door. And they said, oh, you're crazy. <laughs> you're dreaming. But he kept knocking. So they went to the door and sure enough, it's Peter. So you can't really say it was the faith of the church praying that sprung Peter out of prison. We'll return with more of our in-depth study in the book of Joshua on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Joshua 19 through 23 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is the Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and bless you through the week. May the word of Christ dwell in your heart richly through faith. And may God just draw you close to himself, fill you with his love, with his spirit, strengthen you by his spirit in your inner man. Oh, may God richly bless you this week as you walk with him in close communion. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. I am Goliath. (laughs) What's going on? There's a big, scary giant and we're afraid. Don't be afraid. We have God on our side. My name is David, and I know all about big, scary giants. 
I've defeated lions and bears, and God will help me defeat Goliath, too. It's true, and Pastor Chuck wants to tell you all about the story of David and Goliath in his new book, Just for Kids. So come along on a great adventure and discover how God used David to defeat a big, scary giant, and learn why David believed that God was big enough even to conquer Goliath. And as a gift, each book contains an audio CD of Pastor Chuck actually reading the story of David and Goliath so your kids can read along. To order your copy, call the word for today at 800-272-WORD, or to see a sneak preview of the story of David and Goliath, visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.